0: And welcome to A Photographic Life. I hope you've had a good week. Kind of quiet as far as everything's been going on for me photographically. Um, But I've been doing a lot of writing. One of the projects I'm currently engaged with is completing a a PhD. So I've been working on that uh, over the last week or so. As part of that, I've been doing a lot of reading. Uh, I've also been um, trying to get as many of the screenings uh, organised as possible for the Do Not Bend, the Bill J film uh, for the autumn. Never easy in the summer when everybody seems to be away, Um, but I'm not. Um, So this week, initially, I was going to talk about travel photography, about that idea that at this time of the year, it's kind of peak photography time it's that time when we're all on holiday uh taking photographs of our family our experiences the places we go to so on and so forth but then something caught my eye uh and it was a description a puff piece uh for a new book that was coming out and i read through it and as i say I, you know i'm currently writing a, a phd and um I'm involved in academia and I've been involved with photography for a very long time and I try and remain as open as I possibly can to lots of different areas and thoughts and being stretched and so forth as I'm sure a lot of you you do and and are however I started to read this description of this book and I just could not make head and a tail of it and for me it fell very firmly into that area of just wordplay the the use of words for the sake of the use of words and an emperor's new clothes uh, which so much i suppose art speak um can be accused of falling into um and at the same time um so much of the photography crossover with art speak um kind of makes a similar mistake it's why for me I always turn back to the great writing of Robert Hughes or John Berger because it seems very simple. Um, Complex ideas, um, opportunities to stretch you and to think explained in very simple terms that I get. Um, Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm just not intelligent enough. But anyway, so I read this. And again, because the Bill J film was very much... uh, in my mind um, Bill was very much against this kind of obfocation there, there you go of making things difficult for the sake of it um of writing about photography and he always and i suppose yeah, you know, he come he came from a journalistic background i come from a journalistic background i see myself as a communicator it's a bit like this podcast really what's the point of me making a podcast and using language and talking about things that nobody understands. I, I wouldn't be communicating. Um, and as a photographer, as a writer, in this sense, I suppose, as a broadcaster, as a filmmaker, I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to get over what I think, um, see what other people think, and kind of encourage some debate. Anyway, so going back to this piece of writing. So I, I, I tweeted and I put on Facebook this piece of writing um, with the quote by Bill Jay about, you know, people... Make the mistake of um, believing that uh, complication uh, is a good thing, and actually, by being writing simply and understanding things simply and explaining things simply, it's not a good thing. And there was a very strong uh, response um, to people saying, Yeah, yeah, you're right, you know, this is this doesn't make sense. Anyway, um, as part of that, somebody else got back to me, somebody from uh, academia. And she said, and you know, I like to take these things and kind of make them about the bigger issue rather than making them specific. Um, I made a tweet and actually said, um, maybe it's a question of audience. I'm I'm never quite sure why all writing on photography has to be equally accessible to everyone. Um, Goes on to say, this is accessible to a photography, art, cultural studies audience globally that's quite a big audience so what's wrong with that well absolutely nothing's wrong with that I mean I, I don't have a problem with that at all however what kind of did kind of make me think oh hang on a second here what this global photography cultural audio what, what is that like it seems rather an exclusive uh, audience to me and that always kind of gets me to to question that little bit further whenever I hear that that kind of sense of exclusivity so this morning um, whilst I was um, thinking about this podcast I put a quick tweet out on Instagram a quick poll and I asked the question do you think writing on photography should be accessible to the majority in its language tone and intention uh, 87% of people have come back and said, yes, we think it should be accessible. And so far, 13% have come back and said no. Well, I'm not surprised by that, of course. Um, but I do know that the number of people who follow uh, me follow the united nations of photography on twitter at un of photo that's a real mix of enthusiasts professional photographers working and academics uh, i can tell that and i and i can i know that from you know who follows and who we engage with that poll in itself encouraged another d- discussion of uh, a few people coming back and saying well hang on maybe there should be a It depends. It's not a straightforward yes or no discussion. But to me, it is. It completely is. Because as photographers, we should be communicators. So why would we be defining an audience on the basis of our work and actually just saying, yeah, that's just for you. That's just for these people. It's not for those people be incredibly exclusive. And from, from a personal perspective, I, I, I don't feel that's what we should be doing. It would be like me saying, I'm gonna go and take this photograph, but it's not, I'm not gonna show it to you because you're not gonna understand it. It's only for these people over here because they've been doing it longer. Similarly, somebody made a comment that you would write differently for a student than you would for somebody who'd been involved in photography for say 20 odd years. Well, why? Why would you? Why would you make that assumption that the student would be unable to understand the concepts that you're making, but somebody who's been involved in photography for 20 years is gonna get it? Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe actually the student is gonna get it clearer than the person who's been involved in photography. That length of time of engagement is no promise of wisdom. or uh, And in fact, in some ways, maybe it could even be argued that uh, that longer period of involvement with the medium makes you more uh, intransigent to new ideas and new concepts. I don't know. But certainly... That idea of exclusivity through language, through image making, really to me is the, is the opposite to what we should be doing. Of course, we'll create work and some people might respond to it stronger than somebody else. I'm not talking about a dumbing down here. I'm not talking about a, yeah, you know, we need to make this um, kind of a, a mass market thing. What I am saying is that it's kind of our role as communicators, that we should try and communicate what we want to communicate to as many people as possible in a way in which is inclusive and not exclusive. A follow on, I suppose, from that idea of how photography is seen and that idea of inclusivity and exclusivity seems to be Instagram, where increasingly I'm hearing really um, strong views. Um, Somebody commented to me the other week that they hated Instagram and it was terrible because it was full of all these snaps and it's not right and it's not photography. Well, I had to question that person as to, well, who are you to decide what photography is? Who am I? I would never put myself in that position. If these images are created photographically, if they're photographic images, then they're photographs. And Instagram is a fantastic platform for dissemination, for sharing, for finding, for researching. But it doesn't have to be this place solely owned by photography and by photographers and people who feel that they know what photography is and they're defining it in a sense, what we're really talking about here. And it sort of goes back to a uh, Vin Vendor's uh, video of a week or so ago uh, where he spoke out against this kind of photography and and decided we needed a new word to describe this this image making why do we need a new word why don't we just go with it why don't we bring 21st understand uh, 21st century understanding to photography rather than drag 20th century understanding photography to try and understand where the medium is today and where it's going i don't understand that need to put a a tag on something which has constantly evolved and constantly changed throughout um, its time, throughout since its, its initial invention. It's adapted and it evolved in the type of equipment that is used to capture the image, how that image is captured, and then how it is disseminated. So I just think we kind of need to cool down a little bit and not get quite so uptight that photography isn't what it used to be. Each week we feature a photographer or somebody engaged with photography telling us all about what photography means to them. I set the task, I suppose the challenge, that it shouldn't go any longer than five minutes. Unfortunately, this week, uh, our contributor has ignored the rules. He's missed the brief. But I've let him off with that. So this week, it's Brian David Stevens telling you what photography means to him. Slightly longer than five minutes.
1: Hi, my name is Brian David Stevens. I'm a photographer living in North London. I shoot portraits and photographs concerned with with place, which I guess falls into to some people's landscape category. I also have a foot in the editorial camp, but I just normally describe myself as a photographer. I've published several books, seven of them in the the Cafe Royal series, and my latest book, Doggerland, will be published by Another Place Press later on this year. I also like working with screen prints. I'm just going to release a set of sound system, screen prints with a company called Tartaruga. Question, what does photography mean to me? Um, It's quite difficult. If I kind of strip it down to its barest essentials, it's about looking. And for me, with looking comes understanding. So it kind of gives us first an excuse to look. And second, a reason to look. We sadly live in an age where looking is almost dangerous and frowned upon and viewed with suspicion. Um, All sorts of security aspects and things. And there's also an embarrassment of looking. A photographic portrait allows you to study a face. You can sort of see its topography. You can kind of map it. It allows you to look at a face in a way that's normally reserved to the way that you look at close family, close friends, lovers. It kind of also allows you to look at people's faces that are no longer with us as well, which is an interesting thing. We also kind of need a reason to look. Maybe that's to share what we see or what we feel about a subject. Um, it's a way to visually communicate that Um, or maybe it's simply to record it maybe as evidence or uh, as a historical document you know to show change um, or maybe even show future generations what existed before there was an incredible piece of film that I saw which had been unearthed I think in some factory in Lancashire and it was a very early film of one of the mill towns and you sort of looked at it and everything was different but the fact that even the babies on there weren't alive anymore was quite absolutely astounding um and there's a huge the historical document to me is really important i if it's, we take it down into its purest form, I like the American photographer Gary Winogrand, who's famous for being for his street work. But um, if you have a look at any of his writing or his quotes on photography, they're absolutely wonderful. Um, and he said, I photograph things to find out what something will look like when I photographed it, which in its purest form, that's absolutely brilliant. Personally, I often photograph in series, um, I did one called Brighter Later, which was a view out to sea from every coastal county of Britain. Um, So I I travelled around the coast and photographed everything looking out. Um, Also did a series on war veterans, which was called They That Are Left, which was portraits of individuals. Um, They were all taken on the same day which was Remembrance Sunday which was obviously important for the project and they were taken over a period of 10 years as well I did a series of sound systems where I went to the Notting Hill Carnival very early in the morning before there was anybody there and photographed sound systems just alone on the streets Um, so I I like this idea of series Um, it's almost like a repetition I mean I was always a big fan of Andy Warhol Um, and I like that idea I mean maybe I photograph in series because it gives me and the viewer more information about the subject Um, and maybe because it's given us more information maybe it gives us a truer picture and maybe it's to highlight both the differences and the similarities of things Um, there's lots of reasons for shooting series, I find it pretty rewarding I mean, obviously, photographs, these photographs, and any photographs don't really show us the truth. So um, that's kind of too simplistic. But you can make truthful pictures, and I think there's there's a difference there. Um, you, and if you set your mind, and particularly your heart, on it, I think I think photography will always have an anchor in the truth, purely because of the way it records things. Um, so that anchor in the truth will be there, whether we like it or not. I also like using time in my work um, the they that their left portraits of war veterans were shot over ten years um, and it was kind of, it was important to do that i mean we we took about ten pictures each year, so we had a hundred pictures um, and that aspect of time passing. You know, as as the years drew on, was important to the project. Um, similarly, I spent um, one of the more recent things I did was I spent a year photographing Beachy Head, um, which is a, a co- coastal area in the south of England. Um, it's an area of outstanding natural beauty, but it's also the third most popular suicide spot in in the world so it's kind of a very complicated landscape but spending that much time there kind of give, gave you a, a sense of familiarity with the subject it, it allowed you to look and it allowed you to look deeper you would know, because you became familiar with it changes and disturbances became clear you, you could tell where somebody had been um, just because the landscape was. it was almost a level of forensic detail you could see where the landscape was disturbed. You kind of wouldn't have picked this up if you hadn't have spent so long there and had that level of familiarity. Obviously all these are how I work and they, they <laughs> you know, it, it, this isn't a manual about how to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that these are, this is kind of my criteria for working and I'm fascinated to see people who work in completely and utterly different ways. But I'll leave you with another brilliant Gary Winogrand quote, where Gary says, Photography is about finding out what can happen in the frame. When you put four edges around some facts, you change these facts. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, Brian. And thanks, everybody, for listening. As I say every week, please share. Please let people know about this podcast if you've enjoyed it. Um, And... Don't forget that you can listen to this on iTunes as well as on SoundCloud. Each week, this podcast is unedited. It's a stream of consciousness. So I hope it's made some sense. Uh, If you have enjoyed it, look forward to catching up with you again next week.